a murky outlook for steel, bearish fuel oil, and finally, how FIS can help improve liquidity in the fertilizer market. All this and more on Freight Up. Hello and welcome back to Freight Up. My name's Fernanda and I'll be your host as we navigate the world of freight and commodities markets. If you haven't already yet, make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. This week, we're setting the bar real high with insights and updates from five members of our team. First up with your fuel oil update, FIS's biggest West Ham fan, Archie Smith. Freight up! So Archie, let's get right into it. The first Republic bank run. How has that affected crude prices? Well, for those of you listening uh, who don't know, yesterday, the US stock market opened. The First Republic bank stocks were down about 26%. Today, that has, you know, snowballed even further down to 50% losses. $100 billion worth of deposits has been taken out of First Republic Bank. Obviously, investors and people who are keeping their money there scrambling to get it out with these bad returns. And like with any other bank, uh, I mean, we saw it a couple of months ago, similar situation with Silicon Valley. You know, if these big banks, big institutions coming into problems like this, it stirs the pot of, oh my God, banking crisis. We're worried about recession, you know, just kind of general poor economic outlook. And oil is always kind of tied with that sentiment. So for this example, people are fearing again of a banking crisis, a collapse of a major bank. Therefore, oil will go down because people are thinking, right, recession, economic downturn. You know, if an economy is not booming, naturally not as much oil is consumed because there's not as much production, manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. So we have seen Brent crude prices slip in the past couple of days. We've dipped below the $81 per barrel mark. We actually settled last night at $80.77, I believe. So yeah, you know, general market sentiment, pretty bearish at the minute. It looks like prices have been strengthened a bit by the API's weekly oil inventory report. Is that so? Yes. So every Tuesday evening at the API, American Petroleum Institute, release a report whereby they just state the increase or decrease of oil and product inventories uh, in the US. So last night they reported a six million barrel draw in US crude inventories. So, you know, that's kind of offered a little bit of support to the tumbling prices. When I left my desk this morning, we were trading around $81 per barrel mark. So, you know, about 25 cents over settlement. And I do think that strength has been found from the drawing crude oil on the API report there, yeah. So Archie, as you've mentioned on Freight Up in the past, if crude comes down, then high sulfur crack must come up. So what's going on with that? I think, you know, the 20-day moving average, I saw around minus 14.40 or minus 15.50. Uh, we traded last in the market at minus 12.20. So, you know, we are really seeing some strength in that high sulfur euro crack. We kind of see that coming from the market kind of coming under some supply tightness as there is kind of realized, you know, the lack of Russian high sulfur fuel oil supply post sanctions. They used to produce, well, they still do produce a lot of high sulfur fuel oil, but a lot of it used to come to Europe. Obviously, that's now not the case. So, you know, that's why we've kind of really seen a squeeze on the high sulfur euro crack there. And in turn, that tightens up our euro high five spreads. I know the front month's trading around the $83 per metric ton mark. That's a major thing of note at the minute, and that's kind of been persistent for the entire month, really. We've seen a lot of strength in that crack. So what else have you noticed going on this morning? When I sat at my desk and during the Singapore closing window, we have seen a lot of Asian selling in the front 0.5 time spreads. We're seeing a lot of selling in the May-June, and I think we can put that purely down to we're approaching the end of the month. People are rolling their positions from May to June. 
but there's been a lot of size printing and there's been a lot of size being worked out there in the broker market on the May June 6.5 spreads this morning. All right there, Arch. So we've come to the end of it. What is your one takeaway for our audience this week? I'd just say definitely keep an eye on those scrubber spreads, particularly the euro. You know, we're seeing them at historic lows at the minute, around $83 in the front month and, and down the curve into Cal 25 with sub 100 all the way down. So I think it's, you know, it's just keep an eye on those spreads with this crack, with this high sulfur euro crack being so strong. And now for some steel insights with Joshua Stern. So Josh, it looks like the steel markets have been coming off a bit for the past couple of weeks. Can you walk us through what's been happening? Yeah, hi, Fernanda. Indeed. Yeah, steel markets have come off pretty sharply over the last couple of weeks. I mean, the scrap markets have been off about 29 and a half, 30 bucks since the start of the month on the index basis. Rebar is down 50 European HRC is down about 16, and the China HRC index has really taken a hit. Started the month off at 640 and is now at 594. So 622.13 month to date average. Yeah, all the markets are starting to get hit down pretty badly at the moment. But, you know, then again, if we kind of look out there towards the economic situation, it doesn't exactly look fantastic. High interest rates out there, still little to no real demand. And, you know, that essentially puts pressure on because if there's no finished steel demand, that's going to put pressure on prices. So that's definitely kind of the trends that we've been seeing here over the last couple of weeks. Physical market was slow in March, has been relatively slow here in April as well. Looking forward to gaining some traction here, hopefully, kind of going forward in the next few months. But yeah, that's kind of where we are with steel. This week in particular has been a little bit more, I would say, positive. Yes, scrap was bid up pretty well on Monday afternoon. And Monday, I believe the front end of the curve was up about one and a half, one point seven five percent And the back end of it was actually up around 2 2.5% there. So there has been some interest over the last couple of days. I think the prices are going up at the moment. Basis, our economic views and our, yeah, just the views that we've kind of seen out on desk. So I think at this point, it's very much a seller's market. There's a lot of sellers out there, not a lot of buyers. But the buyers who are coming in are then actually being rather aggressive, at least here in scrap and rebar over the last couple of days. What should people be keeping an eye on this upcoming week? I think that what we need to keep an eye on is really still what are people's risk appetite at the moment? At the moment, I don't think there's too much risk for going on the upside. I think the risk is still on the downside. So essentially, I would say going forward in the next couple of weeks, the real thing to monitor in the steel and scrap markets is A, that we don't just have a small pullback again, or that this wasn't just a small little dead cat bounce, and now we're going to go further lower. Or, you know, is there something that's starting to change out in the demand profile in the physical market that would drive derivatives up? It's a bit murky out there at the moment. I would urge caution out there. We've seen a little bit of interest also in the mill margins again. So the USHRC versus versus bushelling spread. So I think that this is probably still a good trade to look at at the moment. HRC prices are still rather high and should, in theory, come down a bit, while bushelling prices have been rather, I would say, buoyed in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, mill margins still remain pretty high. Averages on mill margins are actually rising at the moment as well. But I would advise caution to anybody looking at mill margin trades. You know, it's a, it's a tough market out there right now. I don't think that I would be buying any mill margin, quote unquote. And now over to our commodity derivatives broker, Taylor Eastman. Welcome back to the podcast, Taylor. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be back and 
I look forward to giving my little bit of what I know about the fertilizer market to our listeners. Fantastic. We're looking forward to your hot take. But before then, can you tell our new listeners a bit about who you are and what you do for FIS? Yeah, I'm the branch manager here in our Kansas City office. I am head of the desk on fertilizers, mostly focused on fertilizers, but also delving into ammonia recently and assisting with our push there. So Taylor, can you tell us a bit more about your interest in the fertilizer industry? My interest in the fertilizer industry, we're predominantly a broker on futures and swaps. Recently, we started brokering options in Q4 of last year. We also broker the physical product, predominantly barges in New Orleans and along the river system in the U.S. But from time to time, we do also broker vessel quantities and and physical as well. So trying to be a full service shop here at FIS, physical, futures, and now options as well. So I think we were talking a bit before this call about a bit of hesitation from the fertilizer industry when it comes to options. They are very new to the market, options that is. Started trading in October of last year and volume has slowly picked up in the new year. 10% of the total volume trade on futures is what's trading for options. 10 to 15% more and more clients are interested. But one of the biggest hurdles is that it's still a bilateral market, an OTC bilateral market, where we're lacking a clear mechanism. FIS is working closely with the CME on getting options listed, and we hope to make an announcement by the end of the year on that. All right. Fingers crossed on that. So can you give us an update on the market? Since the beginning of the year, we saw a down move of 30 to 40 percent in some markets. In ammonia, other nitrogen markets, we've seen a down move close to 50%. So all nitrogen markets, urea, ammonia, and UAN that we broker on futures have slid for the majority of the year. However, we're starting to see stabilizing in most markets and actually in the New Orleans market, which is the most active futures contract, is now roaring back. So... We're up close to $140 today on physical barges from the low to the now the new high for April barges trading at 440 just minutes ago. It seems like the U.S. is behind imports and the in-season demand that we usually see this time of year is really taking hold and pushing prices higher and higher. The corn values in the U.S. and across the world look favorable compared to where urea is priced at. So we're going to continue to see probably good demand as we move through the planting season in the Northern Hemisphere. So Taylor, I heard that you were polling some of our clients on expected volatility this year. How'd that go? That's right. So realized volatility on the null urea index which is what uh, futures and swaps that we broker trade off of, has been 42 to 46% depending on how this week turns out. And most of our clients, probably 95% of our clients, are telling us that they expect that the year for 2023 volatility, realized volatility, to be lower than where it's at today. So that would tell us that all of our clients are expecting volatility to drop off 
in the rest of Q2 and in Q3 and Q4. I think that we've seen a definitely large move in the market, mostly downwards until recently. Obviously, the trend in NOLA is now up. But clients are expecting things to calm down in terms of price action and prices to stabilize and stay stabilized through the end of the year. Do you have any key takeaways for our audience for this week? I think that a key takeaway is that the prices are definitely trending up right now. The futures curve would tell you that we're going to see some type of reset after this season in in the U.S. But the so far, volatility has still been high this year. People are expecting it to get lower. And I guess we'll see. Definitely, it, it seems that buyers right now don't really have much of a choice. If they are short, they do have to buy. But if you can delay your buying until the summer or out of season in the U.S., it seems to be a much better price from what we're seeing on the futures curve. That's Taylor Eastman for you all. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I look to be back sometime soon. Joining us from our Ferris desk all the way from Shanghai, Hao Pei. So how the big story this week is that 11% correction on the iron ore index. Can you tell us about what might have contributed to this drop? The iron, 11% of the correction on iron ore index was the biggest single week drop within the year. There are a couple of reasons from quite different angles, but the major reasons was linked to the macro side. First of all, we have seen a general sell-off on the risk assets, including commodities and some of the equities in Asia. Commodity side includes metals, petrochemicals, and for the Asian equities, including Shanghai equity, which dropped by 4.7 during the past five trading days. The equity drop was linked to portfolios by end of each quarter. Sometimes it reacts like a spike. Sometimes it, it reacts as a slump, but normally it's a very volatile time stamp. On the macro side, the sell-off was going to be less than expected Q1 economic activities in China. For example, Chinese machinery exhibitors decreased by 20% in April, refreshed the biggest single month drop. This indicator was as a leading indicator of the market. And for example, for house areas from 19.2% in Q1, which was more than expected 10% from the major market analysts. So how those are all external factors on the market. Are there any internal factors or fundamental changes behind this change? From the perspective of supply and demand, the daily pig iron production has reached by 2.47 million tons. The highest level of before was 2.43 million tons and 2.44 million tons in 2021. The market in general expects a marginal weakened consumption level for iron ore as materials. And at the same time, northwestern Chinese provinces proactively reduced steel production by 30% from late April without announcing the end of this production cut. And a week before, CISA previously appealed major 
meals to cut production before seeing a clear drop of demand market. So the market are expecting more production cuts in different areas, for example, the eastern areas or the southern areas. So all those factors contribute the fundamental side of bearish sentiment. That's it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, make sure to email us at freightup at freightinvestor.com. That's freightup at freightinvestor.com. And to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please follow us on the podcast app of your choice. See you next week.